We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sean, let's wrap things up with our final topic. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk some college football. And we want to get everybody's predictions in here. So this isn't just us talking and you guys listening. We want to hear what you all have to say. So we're going to make predictions for the Big Ten. Next week, we're going to go SEC, and then we're going to kind of work our way through the leagues uh, moving forward as we as we finish these shows. So Big Ten East, Sean, I, I thought was – I mean, it's it's a no-brainer at the top. Obviously, it's Ohio State. We both had Ohio State. When I look at this Ohio State team, you know, th- they've got some things they got to work out. They've got some flaws, just like most teams do. But the, the the gap in talent between Ohio State and everybody else in the Big Ten is still significant. I think some teams have recruited the last couple of years. Penn State's had a couple really nice recruiting classes in a row. And they got another one building now. I think they're slowly kind of – you know, closing the gap on Ohio State from a talent standpoint, I think the coaching is still a little bit off. Yeah. But I think, Sean, Ohio State still has the best talent. And I think Ryan Day made some changes this offseason that by the time you get to October, if you it's like this. If you don't beat Ohio – if some team in the Big Ten doesn't beat Ohio State by the first week of November, they're not going to. Because I think they're, they're that team you want to catch them early you know, as they're getting used to the new offensive line coach and the new defensive scheme and the new defensive staff. If you don't have, if you don't put an L on them and the, you know, if you're in the big 10 team, if you don't put an L on them in the first five, six games, you're not putting an L on them. Uh, You're just not. And I still think they're the class of the league at this point in time. Uh, And I, and especially the East. um, I think the East is going to be competitive at the top, but I don't, I don't, I mean, Ohio state may catch an L, this year, I mean, they may, but there, there's a pretty big gap. And and I still believe this is a quarterback-driven situation. And I look at the quarterbacks in the league, and the next best quarterback is what? The kid from Michigan State in the, in the East? Yeah, you know? it's definitely not 14 in Happy Valley. I right. <laughs> but he, we'll get to him in a second because he is pretty important, but just as yeah. far as putting a team on his shoulders, he's just not that guy. No. But that right there, though, the fact that Penn State relies so heavily on Sean Clifford explains why there's a big gap between Ohio State and everybody else. 
I totally agree. And the most important thing is that Ohio State knows it. And your point is right. Oregon caught them early last year. Yeah. And Minnesota. Because I think Minnesota, if they don't lose Ibrahim early in that game. That would have been a they, really interesting game. They probably they were they would have pulled off. It would have been interesting. They had a great shot at pulling off that upset. Mm-hmm. And you know, now you just have a really confident bunch of skilled players yeah. at Ohio State, right? Yep. And, and that's I think that's where Notre Dame is headed to. Mm-hmm. You know, where we're eventually going to be. Like we won't be sitting here wondering who's going to step up. I think in two or three years we're gonna have the combination of Braylon James, Jaden Greyhouse, and Rico Flores, and we're gonna be talking about, yep. I don't think anybody can stop us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. You gotta give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish 
and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Michigan might be the only other team from a skill standpoint that really have Michigan has some playmakers at different positions. Um, they got Henning, Corm, uh, Wilson. They got, they got Ronnie Bell back. Ronnie Bell. Andrew back. Anthony be, so Andrew let, Anthony let's talk about that, that because we had a discussion. The, the, the two and three, there's going to be a battle at two and three. And I think mm-hmm. the advantage that Michigan has is their schedule is much softer. Yeah. And they catch some breaks. So if you look at like Penn State has to play – because this is part of making a prediction is this I, – I like Minnesota this year better than Wisconsin. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to finish higher than Wisconsin because of their schedule, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But you look at Penn State, Penn State has to play at Ohio State. They, I'm sorry, that was last year. They have to play at Michigan. And so it's kind of like, okay, if it comes down to they both have two losses, Penn State and Michigan have kind of pretty much beat each other up at their home, on their home field. So like Michigan wins at home and then Penn State wins at home. That's kind of how that rivalry is kind of going back and forth. Penn State's going to have to beat Michigan this year at Michigan to me to have that head to head because I could see them both having two conference losses, you know, one to you know like I I could see I could see Penn State losing to Ohio State at home and then and then losing at Michigan mm-hmm. and and having two losses and then I could see Michigan having two losses because you know I, for for their team I I think there's some concerns I have for them but then you know they they could lose at Ohio State but then what's the other game they're going to lose at Iowa. You know, at Rutgers, they get Michigan State at home. They get Penn State at home. They get Nebraska at home. They get Illinois at home. Like, other than Ohio State, all their toughest games, you know, their next – arguably next two toughest games are at home, Nebraska and Penn State. Michigan State's going to be tough at Iowa, you know. But it, to me, it's like, am I am I banking on – we'll get to him in a minute, but, you know, Spencer Petras to beat Michigan? Like, that's kind of the big thing for me, right? Yeah. But – Michigan and then Michigan's going to be like pretty rested going into that Iowa game because their non-conference is embarrassing for a team like Michigan, yeah. Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, right? Like Hawaii at six and seven's your best non-conference game. That's pretty embarrassing, right? So for me, I went with Penn State for a couple reasons, Sean. I I, I think that you're I think Ohio State's offense is 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 act. I mean, Michigan's offense, in my opinion, is one of the two or three most talented in the Big Ten. Mm. skill player wise because yeah. you know they they bring Blake Corum back and they yeah. lost to Hassan Haskins which is a big loss but you and I both they know that Donovan Edwards is a really right? talented player correct right. you receiver you talk about they get Ronnie Bell back who's who's more of an athlete than he is a pure receiver but he's explosive yeah you know can AJ Henning step up you know you've got you've got Blake Corum coming out of the backfield but then you look, they got some bigger receivers too, right? Like they've got Cornelius Johnson, who's, you know, 6'2", 6'3". Right. Darius Clemens comes in, who's as a true freshman, who I think, you know, 6'2", 210 can, can help you as right away. Andrew Anthony moves into year two. Eric All is a really good tight end, in my opinion. You've got three starters coming back on your offensive line. But here's the problem. Will if, if Jim Harbaugh puts J.J. McCarthy in the starting lineup before the Iowa game, Michigan will finish second in the Big Ten East this year. If he tries to ride the Cade McNamara game until they lose, then they will finish third. So really my prediction of – and I'm predicting he's going to try to ride McNamara. That's my prediction. If I'm wrong, Michigan jumps up to number two because, as you said, their offensive line won't be as good as it was last year. It's still going to be good, but they're going to be much better – they're going to be much more – they're going to be deeper and and have better skill on the perimeter, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. 
it, but they just don't have the signal caller right now to me to to go through a schedule of at Iowa, at Indiana, Penn State at home, Michigan State at home, Nebraska at home, Illinois at home, and at Iowa at Ohio State to go through yeah. all those and not stub their toe because that's the whole thing we saw last year. The Big Ten was down in my opinion last year, and Michigan took advantage. Yeah. But it was because of their offense. Yeah. I mean, I mean, do I need to remind you of the Penn State game? Do I need to remind you of the Rutgers game where they won 20 to 13? You know what I mean? Like there were some yeah. games where you're like, man, this offense is just, you know, they had some good games too. But I mean, yeah. Michigan State, everybody scored on Michigan State last year. That's once Ronnie Bell went out, it was like. Yeah. Right. So to me, that's the key for me is, is he going to be willing to, to make the tough? Because it's not easy no. to take a start kid who started for you last year who led you to the playoff led you to a big 10 title and say hey man we love you thanks for everything you did but we're gonna go with this guy yeah but, but you, you need have to. to be able to make that decision as a visionary right. that's your job right. as a head coach right to be able to recognize early don't be like john cooper mm-hmm. and wait until the week before right. the michigan game and you're undefeated to replace Stanley Jackson with Joe Jermaine. Right. Like, no. Like, if you make that move, you do it early in the season. Right. And you ride it out. So, I agree with you. You know, it's going to come down to his decision. Uh, their pass rush, well, they have talent, young talent on the defensive line, but the pass rush might not be as dynamic mm-hmm. as it was last year. So, there will be a need for the offense right. to be more dynamic. Right. The right. defense won't be right. The defense won't be bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you can't just lose Aiden Hutchison and David Ajabo Dax and Hill. Dax Hill and Mike McDonald as your D coordinator and just yeah. keep rolling. They don't have the talent to step in and replace. They're not reloading the way that other teams are. Right. You know, like Michael Morris is a good player on the edge, right? Taylor Upshaw is a nice player on the edge, but they're not Aiden Hutchison and David Ajabo, right? So other guys are going to have to step up. They're experienced at linebacker coming back, but. You know, they're not going to be able to just go out there and win 17 to 13 games this year. They're going to need to be able to score a little bit. And I think they can. Now, Penn State, on the other hand, is a really interesting team because I actually think Penn State has a lot better talent than people realize. I think they're the team that can actually compete with Michigan next for the second most talent on the skill positions. And I know that that may sound crazy because they lost Jahan Dotson. Yeah. They got some really good receivers coming back. I like Parker Washington a lot. They've got some good running back step into the equation. Nicholas Singleton is the kind of kid that can just step on a field as a Drew Freshman and say, I'm the best back you got. I mean, that's the kind of talent Nicholas Singleton has, in my opinion. And they got some other kids that stepped in. I think that, that uh, the Saunders kid that they landed last year, Caden Saunders, that they got out of Ohio, can kind of step in and fill somewhat of the void that Jahan brought from a down-the-field standpoint. He's not going to be Jahan Dotson as an all-around player. Yeah. But just the 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 speedy, shifty, vertical guy, he can fill a little like quarter of like the Braden Lindsay role. I think he can bring some of that as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I think their offensive line was a little beat up last year. They're going into the next another year with their offensive line coach, who I think has a good reputation. Yeah. He inherited a bit of a mess, Phil Troutwine. So I think he's the unit's gonna be better. Salim Wormley comes back from an injury. You know, they're they're gonna be better up front. You know, kid that a lot of Notre Dame fans are gonna remember Landon Tangwall slated to start at left guard for them, which is where we always thought he was better suited anyway, was a guard. So I actually think Penn State is a is a good football team. The problem is is they're they've got a, a Cade McNamara type of situation to a quarterback. <laughs> now, the thing I love about Sean Clifford is is the kid's a winner, though. I mean, you know, he's that kid that if the game's on the line, you feel like he's gonna make a play. 
And he's also that kind of kid, Sean, that has always said he's not afraid of big moments. He's not. And he's Sean Clifford's does not think he's as he's as untalented as he actually is. That's that's the good thing for him and the problem for opponents. Is Sean Clifford thinks he's better than he is, and he play and he has that type of mentality and that mindset of I'm gonna I'm you know you give me the ball at the end of the game. I mean, look, you look at their games last year, Sean. I mean, let's let's look at Penn State's results last year. They lost to um, so the first loss they start five and zero, beat Wisconsin on the road, beat Auburn. Right. Their first loss was on the road against uh, at Iowa, twenty three twenty. It was twenty to nothing when Sean Clifford got hurt. Yeah, they win that game with Sean Clifford. Easily. The next week they lose in overtime at nine overtimes to Illinois. Sean Clifford played, but he was not – he was not right. Right. He was not right. Then they go lose to Ohio State by nine. That was a game they battled, right? Ohio State just had better players. They lose to Michigan by four. And, again, again, their offense just never quite recovered. And then they lost to Michigan State by three. You know, so this is a team that was out there losing competitive games. They have a small margin for error. But I feel like with Clifford coming back, as long as he's not too distracted with all the NIL stuff he's trying to get involved in, that's my only concern about that. Yeah. Is can he he's he's trying to build this union and he's got his own NIL company, all this. Like, hey, let's make sure you're ready to play some football too, there, buddy. Yeah. Right. So that's my only concern with him. But if he can be healthy, I think Penn State can give Michigan a run for that number two spot. And the biggest reason is, is I think that the schedule is somewhat favorable for them. They get Ohio they get State at home. State at home, yeah. And and if Ohio State's going to lose a game in the Big Ten, it's going to be to Penn State. Because of all the teams in the Big Ten, that is the one team that year after year after year is just not afraid of Ohio State. Now, they lose more often than not because they're just – Ohio State's better coached. James Franklin is the – and this is the other thing. All my issues with Jim Harbaugh, he's a a solid in-game coach. Not great. He's solid. James Franklin's a terrible in-game coach. Right. So if everything is equal, he's going to make some dumb decision that's going to cost you a ball game. Yeah. But they have not, they do, they're, for, say what you want about James Franklin. He has his teams mentally ready to play Ohio State every single time they step on the field. Yeah. I agree. Including games where they're completely outclassed talent wise, like the last yep. two years. Yep. And, and they get him at home. If Ohio State's going to lose a game, it's going to be that one. I'm not predicting they will. I think Ohio State is going to run the table in the Big Ten this year. But, uh, you know, I think that's the game to watch. That's a a game to watch. There's a couple games to watch. But that more than any is the one that you look at because they're not going to be afraid of of them. The question is, is can can they avoid, you know, losing at Michigan? And can they avoid upsets? You know, home against Michigan State, home against Minnesota, home against or at Purdue. Those are games where, like, they got to handle their business. They can handle their business. Then I think that they'll be the number two team in in the league. Because I think they can beat Michigan. I do. If if Cade McNamara is your starting quarterback. And that goes back to just the entire conference being a lot mm-hmm. more competitive. Right. Because the West will be more competitive. Right. Those big teams in the East are going to have a more difficult time when they have to face right. you know, those teams from the West. So I think, you know, the order is pretty much spot yeah. on. Two, three, Michigan, Penn State can flip-flop. It's going to be, right. you know, I think Penn State is the better team. And – we're not being disrespectful in saying that because, you know, I think Michigan State is going to be solid. Right. They're just going to be fourth. Yeah. I think yeah. they'll be solid. And right. they could pull a couple of upsets. I mean, they're still going to be a good team. Yeah. I mean, but they're just not going to be as good as those other teams. No. I mean, when you look at Michigan State last year, I mean, they were a good team last year, but they also – they barely beat Michigan and barely beat Indiana and, you know, barely beat Nebraska. And they – you know – 
honestly, here, here's my take on Michigan State. I felt like they kind of won with a little bit of smoke and mirrors last year, to be honest with you. I think they took advantage of the league being down. I think Coach Tucker did a good job of, of developing them to be a really physical team on offense. They rode Kenny Walker big time last year. Big time athlete, yeah. But I think losing him and losing the receiver that they lost is going to hurt them more than people think because yeah. their margin for error is really thin, in my opinion. And so that's kind of my issue with Michigan State. And the other thing, too, is, is when I look at Michigan State is they catch they catch a couple disadvantages from a scheduling standpoint as well that I think is going to factor into this, too. Because, again, we're talking about, like, these teams being split by, like, a game. You know, like, we're not talking about Michigan State going, like, six and six this year. Right. Right. But when you look at their schedule, they play at Maryland, and that just is a bad matchup for Michigan State, in my opinion. Because here's the thing. Michigan State – was one of the worst pass defenses I've ever seen last year. I mean, they were really bad. And when Maryland's on Tungavaloa with with the receivers he's got, Rakeem Jarrett and, and Demas and all, I mean, they got some weapons. That's yeah. a bad matchup for Michigan State, in my opinion. Demas and, is coming back. Yeah. 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 Yes. And you just don't know which Mar- version of Maryland's going to show up. That's the problem. But they also play at Michigan and at Illinois and at Penn State. And we'll get to Illinois in a second, but that's not going to be an easy game to play. And and honestly, the, the thing that's going to hurt them too is they play at home against Ohio State and Wisconsin, especially Ohio State. is like this is a year if you're trying to battle for that number two spot, John, this is the year you want Ohio State on the road. So catch that L on the road so you can get another team at home, right? And But I just – I don't – we you know, they're like to me the opposite of Penn State. Michigan State has had some really good teams get annihilated by Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, it's like, remember 2017 and a really good football team. They went out and got absolutely annihilated by Ohio State. Last year's another 56 to seven. And honestly, watching that game, it could have been worse. I mean, they had no answers for Ohio State, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's, it's kind of weird. Like the years that Michigan State's given Ohio State a game are years when they weren't that good. And Ohio State just kind of slept walked on them. Yeah. You know, but like 2017, that Michigan State team won 10 games and 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 had a really good football team, beat Washington State in the bowl game, beat Penn State. Look what happened when they went to Ohio State, 48-3. to I mean, they just – they're not even competitive against Ohio State. So I just don't see that changing without – now that they don't have Kenneth Walker, I don't see that changing. So I think Penn's Michigan State's schedule – because, again, we're, we're, we're talking real life here, right? Yeah. It's not – what we feel or who we like, you got to look to make a prediction. You got to look at the schedule and say, you know, this team may be a slightly better, but their schedule's a little tougher and, and that's just going to hurt them a little bit. So I thought Michigan state played a little bit over their ability last year. Yeah. And, and this year, I don't think they're going to be able to get away with that. Cause I think Penn state's going to be better. You know, Michigan's still going to be a tough matchup for them. There's some other teams on the schedule. I think are going to give them a tough time. So that's why we have them fourth. Then we have Maryland fifth. They're they're going to have some wins, which are like, wow, that's a heck of an upset for Maryland because they got some athletes. And then they're going to have some games where like, oh, how did they lose to that team? How did they lose by 25 at home to a team with three wins? Like, how yeah. did that happen? I think this is a big year for, for Mike Loxley. Yeah. Big year. He, he needs to come up with eight to nine wins. Yeah. Show some progress in their program. Because like you said, they've had athletes. Yeah. Especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. To be able to put up points, oh, they yeah. still found a way. Is that running back they had a couple years ago? It's the first year. Remember that kid, the kid from uh, Maryland, five, right? Oh yeah, McFarland, Anthony McFarland. McFarland. Yeah, yeah. They got. I mean, they 
after Ohio State, a case could be made that the most dynamic one-two punch at receiver in the conference is is the is the two kids from Maryland potentially coming into this year, Demas and, and Rakeem Jarrett. Yeah, it's a yeah. conversation to have, but yeah. they're in the conversation. Yeah, you know, and Tungavaloa looks like some weeks he just looks like this kid shouldn't be starting a quarterback in the Big Ten, and then other weeks you're like, yo, this kid is is making throwing some dimes. Yeah, does he become more consistent this year? Yeah. I have a hard time believing he's going to be more consistent because of the program he plays in. Yep, it's one of the most undisciplined pro- programs you're, you're you're going to find. And if you know Mike Loxley, you understand why. Understand why? Right. And then I have Indiana six and Rutgers seven. The only reason I have Rutgers seven, I think Indiana's going to struggle. I love Tom Allen. I just don't think he's a head coach. I think they lost too much talent. I, I don't like the kid they got coming in from Missouri. I think they're, but I, but the reason I have Rutgers finishing seventh, I think Rutgers is going to have a lot of competitive losses. Gavin Wimsett is a, is a kid I, is going to be a, a, a future standout in the Big Ten, but he's technically a freshman, really yeah. age wise, because he, he he enrolled early. Not enrolled early, he reclassified and and played for them last year. That's going to benefit him more next year than this year. The problem is for Rutgers, and the reason I have them finishing seventh, their schedule is brutal. Yeah. So I mean, I, I kind of I'm like looking at their schedule. I'm like that that that's just not even fair. Looking at their schedule, they play, they play at Boston College in the non-conference. Then they play home against Iowa, at Ohio State, home against Nebraska, Indiana at home, at Minnesota, home against Michigan, at Michigan State, home against Penn State, at Maryland. Like that's a brutal schedule for Penn for Rutgers. So I think their record is not going to reflect how competitive they're going to be this year. Yeah, I think Greg Schiano is finding yeah. it a little bit more difficult in his second term yeah. to kind of create the same buzz. But, you know, they – I give them credit, man. They play physical. They play tough. Right. And like you said, they showed up against – they gave Michigan State a heck of a mm-hmm. game at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. They gave Michigan a heck of a game yep. at the Big House last year. Yep. So, They've almost you know, beat Michigan twice. Or did they beat – didn't they – they almost beat Michigan the year before. No, yeah, lost great. 48-42 in the COVID yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, they play hard, Sean. I just – I think with the schedule that they have, for me, it's just one of those things where th- they're going to be better than their record shows. I think he's adding talent. Yeah. I think he they, they, they play hard. They compete. It's just the schedule set up really rough for them. Really rough. That's really my rough. only concern. Yeah. Now they could pull off some upsets, right? Because again, I mean, they went five and seven last year. They're they're not a bad football team. Yeah. But they beat Temple, they beat Syracuse, they beat Delaware, they beat Illinois, and they beat Indiana. Right. Like I think they're going to be a better football team than Indiana. I just think Indiana's got a more favorable conference schedule. But it wouldn't shock me to see Rutgers be ahead of them. And you know, and then the other thing that hurts them is I just feel like the top of the conference is so heavy. It's right. like there's there's the top four, and then there's a bit of a gap, and then there's you know Maryland and Rutgers and and, and Indiana. So yeah. it, it's going to be interesting. Let's go to the West. Let's do it. I would argue there's five teams that I would not shock me to see win the West. And and we went we both went when the so we kind of made our predictions before we talked just to kind of see where we were, and we fell in the same line. We both have Nebraska winning the conference. Now that may seem crazy when you consider they went three and nine last year. Mm-hmm. But they're they were the they were the best three and nine team I've ever seen in my life. You don't see teams go three and nine outscore their opponents by over sixty points last year. B- 
because their worst loss was nine points to Ohio State in a game where they had the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to take the lead. Yeah. That I mean, nine, I look, if he has a an average quarterback, right? That three and nine is seven, five, eight, four. Right. Easily. Easily. Right. They are physical up front, both sides of the ball. Uh, I think it's Mark Whipple is the new yeah, offensive coordinator. Yep. Pitt. So we'll see how that goes. And once again, I mean, it's about four or five coaches in the Big Ten that this is possibly a make or break year. Mm-hmm. It's no different for Scott Frost. Right. Um, defensive, like I said, he lost a lot in his secondary to the NFL. Mm-hmm. But he's been able to get talent. Right. And he's been able to recruit the line of scrimmage. The and they got a lot of transfers this offseason. Yeah. The quarterback situation, right. of course, is going to be the tail. Yep. That's going to be the tail for Nebraska. Yep. And I mean, look, people- and, and people that didn't pay attention to Nebraska, there's somebody spouting off at the mouth, you know, in the chat about Nebraska. Like, look, you can look at the three and nine and say whatever you want to say, but the reality is, is you watch that team play. They had a lot of teams on the ropes. They couldn't finish. You know what's funny is, you know what the worst loss they had all year was? It's Illinois. Because it was not as close as the eight-point loss. But the rest of the games, they had Oklahoma beat. They had Michigan State beat. They handed those games away. They had Michigan on the ropes with a chance to win in the fourth quarter. They were not a bad team in regards to how they played. They were a bad team based on their record. And that's the point. I mean – they lost by a touchdown to Iowa. They lost by a touchdown to Wisconsin. They lost by nine to Ohio State. They lost by five to Purdue. They lost by a touchdown to Minnesota. They lost by three to Michigan. They lost by three to Michigan State on the road. They lost by a touchdown at Oklahoma. Like, they were a team that competed. And they got the best JUCO back, number one JUCO back in the country is there. They got a, a, a Trey Palmer from LSU that is transferring in as a receiver. Now, I'm, I'm not someone who's like, oh, get all these transfers and you're going to be great, right? But I think they got – enough transfers to where they can supplement where their roster lacked players. Yeah. You talked about how they got, they lost some guys. Well, they got an Arizona state transfer to help fill some of that void. They had, they've got some young recruits that they, that they landed that are now stepping into certain spots that I think are going to help them. They've got a pretty good offensive line. In my opinion, Tanner Corcoran is one of the best offensive linemen in the big 10, big 10. at right tackle. I mean, he's yeah. really good. The key is going to, here's the thing I'll say about Nebraska. They will not be a six and they will not be a team that wins five to seven games. Won't happen. No. They're either going to win the Big Ten West or they're going to implode and and he's going to be gone. He's going to be gone. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of those two things. It reminds me a lot of the, the two thousand. You know who they remind me a lot of, Sean, is the twenty sixteen Notre Dame team. I said before that season, I said Notre Dame is either going to be really good or really bad, and I meant really bad at like five six wins. Yeah. And they don't have the talent that Notre Dame had, I don't think. You know, the top-level talent. But the problem for Nebraska was a, a, a team that has a, an utter, like an extreme lack of discipline. Yeah. And the lack of discipline becomes because they have a head coach that lacked discipline mm-hmm. in his own, how he went about his business. Huh. Supposedly, he's cleaned that stuff up. Or was right? told to clean it or up. T- there you go. Another, another he cleaned it up. I don't think it was him having to come to Jesus moment with himself. I think it right. was like, well, if you want to keep your job, you better Absolutely. grow up. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so can he push the right buttons to say, hey, look, guys, let's fix these things. Because 
I mean, they would like do things where you're like, they gave you that game. If they just stopped sh- losing games, they teams weren't beating Nebraska. Nebraska was losing games to them because of the things that they were doing. And so to me, if they clean that up, it's a sign that he has turned a corner and how to run a program. And they will be, because in my opinion, Sean, they are the most talented team in the West. Mm-hmm. But they were one of the three most talented teams in the West last year, too, and they went three and nine. Right. And so that's yeah. going to be the thing is there's not, this is not going to be a seven and five team, in my opinion. Because if he doesn't make the changes to get them over that hump, then they're still going to do the same things. Yeah. The other thing about Nebraska you have to consider is the schedule. And and Iowa and, and Minnesota and Wisconsin, to me, all have significantly tougher schedules. If you look at their schedule, uh, they get they get Minnesota at home and they get Wisconsin at home. They'd have two tough road games in the league at Michigan, at Iowa. Those are their tough road games. The rest of their – they don't get Ohio State. They don't get Michigan State. They don't get Penn State this year. Their crossover games are are Michigan and Indiana and Rutgers. Rutgers. Right. So again, y'all, we gotta you gotta this look is, at that as you're wild. making decisions about who you're picking. Absolutely. Right. Is yeah. so now the Michigan game is gonna be tough. The Iowa the, the, the last three games are gonna, but if Nebraska's an eight, you know, going to, if Nebraska's like eight and one going into the last game, they also get Oklahoma at home to start the season. Uh, they play Northwestern in Dublin. That should be a win. They get North Dakota the next week, Georgia Southern, and they get Oklahoma at home. We're going to know that week if Scott Frost has his team turned around. Here's the other thing you have to remember, that they're playing one of those week zero games. So Nebraska is going to have two buys during the regular season. So they're going to get a buy between Oklahoma and Indiana, and then they get another buy later in the month between Purdue and Illinois. That's going to help them too in regards to being fresh. And, and so – so to me, Sean, if he turns the corner as a coach, they will be the best team in the West. If he doesn't, they're going to implode again, and he won't finish the season. I think this is, uh, you know, it comes full circle because USC and UCLA are coming to the Big Ten. But I think you can blame Chip Long and Nebraska for showing Oklahoma where their program was from a physical standpoint. Right. When both of those teams walked in Norman mm-hmm. and physically stood up to Oklahoma, yeah, I think that's when the light went off. Like, oh, USC, what? Are, now, what mm-hmm. were you saying again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I, I really because I think you start to see like, yo, this Oklahoma program is nowhere near as right. physical, nope, as they've been when these two teams can walk in yep. and be physical. Yep. successful so that's what we're talking about like you go watch that nebraska oklahoma game and you come away saying oh, my god adrian martinez is so bad yes like if nebraska dude get like get you it. said sean you said it. if they just have an okay quarterback they blow oklahoma out yeah <laughs> No, seriously. He was missing like he looked like Brandon against Stanford. Yes. Just how like all year. Yes. All year. I mean, missing yeah. guys are like I don't, there was one game, it was like a third down, and he has a guy in the flat, Sean. There's not another, there's not a defender on the TV screen, and he throws it like three feet over the guy's head. And you're like, what the heck is going on? So, yeah. but you know, is Casey Thompson the answer? I mean, but again, it's not that Casey Thompson's good because he's not. 
but he's at least okay compared to what they had. That's why I don't think people understand. This is a very talented Nebraska football team, athletically. Yeah. What they're not talented is up here and here, and that starts at the top of the program. If he can fix that, yeah. That could be a problem with Casey Thompson because when he goes in the tank, he goes in the tank. Yep. So maybe rewire the kid. I mean, like you go, once again, you go watch him early against Oklahoma. He was on fire. Yep. Well, we'll we'll see. So two, three, and four were also challenging. And I mean, you could really, it's Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin in some order is where we have. And it was really a battle. It really came down to me to schedule and defense. Mm-hmm. And I went with Iowa at two, Sean, but it was one of the more um, uncomfortable predictions I made. It's not one that I'm like, I'm betting my mortgage this month on Iowa finishing second. Yeah. I could see Iowa winning the Big Ten West. I could see Iowa finishing fourth. The reality of is the reason I went with them second is, number one, I think they have the best coach in the Big Ten. That's what I think. I think Kirk Ferentz is an outstanding football coach. And and he, I mean, talk to me what they were a Big Ten West champ last year. Why? Because they had the best center in college football. That's why they won the, no. Because yeah. they're incredibly well coached football. And they caught some breaks. Like they're Sean staff, Clifford getting hurt. Yeah. You're talking about for Kirk Ferentz, his staff is yes. good. Now, Phil Parker retired this offseason, correct? Yeah. That's the that's another reason I'm 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 not able to put them number one because he was one of the most underappreciated coaches in college football the last decade. Absolutely. Uh, but when I look at them, they've got weapons coming back in the pass game. They're going to be good on the offensive line. Their tight ends arguably the best tight end in college football, or excuse me, uh, in the Big Ten. And they've got all but one starter coming back in the front seven. Uh, they've got like what nine, eight, eight, nine starters coming back on defense. That's it right there. It's the it's the coaching and the fact they're going to be really good on defense that has me there. The also is the only reason I don't have them first because of their quarterback. He's one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in in, in the country. Yeah. If he's just consistent, they're going to win the West, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, but I just have problem. no faith in him. And then when you look at the schedule, that hurts him a little bit too. So, mm-hmm. you know, their schedule is a little bit challenging this year. The, the, the top teams in the West, other than Nebraska, have brutal schedules, in my opinion. They got to play Michigan at home, at Illinois, at Ohio State, Northwestern home, at Purdue, home against Wisconsin, at Minnesota, home against Nebraska. So that's going to be a challenge for them. And so um, that's going to be a, an interesting battle in my opinion, uh, to see how they play. Because, again, they don't have – I would argue, Sean, you tell me if you agree or disagree with this. I wouldn't make the statement that of the four teams we talked about, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, that Iowa has the least amount of talent of those four teams, especially uh, top-level talent. It's debatable. It's debatable. They, they lost – wait a minute. Didn't they lose Charlie Jones, too? Mm-hmm. The receiver? Didn't mm-hmm. he transfer? Mm-hmm. What transfer to Purdue? You're right. They lost their running back. Yeah. They lost the the All American center. Smart move by Charlie Jones. Yes. Like he recognizes, like you know yeah. what? Let me go get my numbers up. Because he's going to be a return guy at Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. And then he got, he, you know, so, so Sean, to me, Iowa, I have number two because I think their schedule and the fact that I just, I, I, I have more faith that I know who they're going to be this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I could easily see them being fourth. And that that's the thing about this. The West is it is, it is going to be a battle. I mean, it is going to be, it just comes down to whose schedule was this or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And you know, that's just kind of where, uh, you know, where it is. So number three, I initially had Minnesota. I eventually flipped it to Wisconsin because of Minnesota's schedule. That's really the only thing holding me back. I would argue that if we're just talking about best roster, Nebraska has the best roster in the Big Ten West. I think Minnesota is actually next. And the reason I have a lot more faith in Minnesota, Sean, as you and I have talked about, you know, I've told them as a potential sleeper team, I won't be shocked if Minnesota wins the West. But the schedule is the reason I have them where I have them Bruce. because oh. they got to they talking about they got to play at Michigan State, home against Purdue, at Illinois, at Penn State, at Rutgers, at Wisconsin. Not in order. I mean, that's order the road games. But the, again, here's their road games this year: at Michigan State, at Illinois, at Penn State, at Nebraska, at Wisconsin. They have home games against Iowa, Northwestern, Purdue, and Rutgers in Colorado, Western Illinois, and New Mexico State. So their schedule is the thing that, for me, and the fact that they lost four starting offensive linemen. Yeah. Those are the two things for me. Now, they got some transfers in. Quinn Carroll from their name is going to is supposed to start a guard for them. But the big thing for them, why I have more faith in Minnesota, is they got rid of Mike Sanford Jr. and brought back the offensive coordinator they had a couple years ago and went 11-2. And two. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to take a shot. Just the fact is he just was ineffective. Tanner Morgan and him just did not mesh for whatever reason. And then Ibrahim comes back because he, to me, was the best returning back in the Big Ten last year. Now, Trayvon Henderson's a a beast, but like he was a freshman last year. Ibrahim, to me, was is was the best veteran running back in the Big Ten last year. He and he was putting work in against Ohio State. Yes, he was. But they're going to have some weapons at, at a receiver. Tanner Morgan comes back for like his ninth year. He's on like the Hunter Renfro plan at at Minnesota. Right, I think he's back to the OC that he had so much production with. Yeah, if the offensive line can get figured out, that that was my other big thing: the schedule and the fact that that they're a team that needs the offensive line to play well, and they lost four of them, four starters on the offensive line. Yeah, that concerns me a little bit. And their defense is okay, but it's not great. So you add all those things together with the tough schedule, I have them fourth. But honestly, I would not be shocked if Minnesota wins. I won't be shocked if any of the four teams at the top win it. I'll be a little surprised about Illinois. We'll get to them in a minute. But I honestly think Minnesota is could be a tough team, Sean. But I want to get your thoughts on Wisconsin because I'm having a tough time with Wisconsin because I just don't I don't see the talent, Sean. Like I yeah. now here's the question: Was it as simple as the offensive line coach just wasn't up to par? And now that Bob Bostad is back coaching the offensive line, they're going to get back to being Wisconsin. Or is it what I think it is, which is just a – they just don't have the players they used to have. Now, I think Braylon Allen at running back is going to be a dude if the offensive line can get figured out. But they're Whoa. they're they're receiving t- – they always had at least one good player at receiver. But they lost their top three yeah. skill guys. Yeah. Tight end Jake Ferguson, he's right. in the NFL. They lose Pryor. They lose Davis. Right. Like, where are they going on the outside? Like, I agree with you with the running back. You know, the young kid is going to be really, really mm-hmm. good at that offensive line is back to the original self. Right. Defensively, you know, it's just the reputation of Jim Leonard. 
Right. Which is well-earned. Right. Well-earned, yep. right? Like, he's taken, like, your grandmother scraps in the pantry. Mm-hmm. Right. And made some really good meals. Right. You know, some really good defenses. So, you know, Paul Chris is a really good coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good staff. He got the offensive line situation taken care of, shored up. We'll see. It's we'll the talent. See. That's yeah. that's my thing. Yeah. But was it a situation? The talent. What about right. the schedule? Right. That's the other part of it. Oh, yeah. The, so so the here two old games that, that crossover. Here's Wisconsin's first oh, Big Ten game at Ohio State. They also play at Michigan State, at Iowa, at Nebraska. They get Minnesota at home, Maryland at home, Purdue at home. But their schedule is tough, but it's not as tough as Minnesota's, which is why I ended up putting Wisconsin ahead of Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. But what we're what I want to know, Sean, is and 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 we can't answer this now. My question is: Is the issues that they've had and the offensive line is it similar to Notre Dame's, where they've had the players are there, they just don't look like you're used to. Mm-hmm. Because you haven't had the guy that could get them ready to go. I don't watch enough of Wisconsin to say that as definitively as I do about Notre Dame. I watch Notre Dame every week. So I know yeah. there's better, there's talent there. They're just not coached. That's going to be the thing we're going to find out this year with Bostad back on the offensive line because he was the offensive line coach during uh, some of the early runs. Yeah. And he went to the yeah. NFL yeah. and then he wanted – so he was actually – he's been the linebackers coach at Wisconsin. He was actually somebody that Notre Dame interviewed – to replace Harry Heastan. And he was one of the, the guys. So there was two guys that Chip Long really wanted and the O-line players really wanted. Yeah. They wanted uh, Joe Gilbert, who Chip had coached with before, who's now with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And and the other one was Bob Bostad. was the other one that they liked. And so uh, to me, that was kind of the thing was, he just wanted to be at Wisconsin. He loves Wisconsin. That's just his place. You know, he he went to the NFL and 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 came back to Wisconsin. He didn't want to leave Wisconsin. Right. And he didn't get offered by Notre Dame. Just saying in general, he would be willing to stay as a linebacker's coach and go somewhere else. And the only that's why the only school he really interviewed for was Notre Dame, because it's Notre Dame, right? If if the issue at Wisconsin is the same as Notre Dame's, where the talent was there in the offensive line. It's the it's the coaching. Then you could potentially jump Wisconsin up to one or two, right? It's just that. But the reason, but then I the hesitancy I still have, Sean, is they just don't have the perimeter playmakers. No, that they've they've always had, you know, Abraderis or, or you know, like the kid, uh, the kid Sephers, like the kid that Cephas, the kid they had a couple of years. They've always had like Danny Davis. They've had like at least one guy that you're like, and they've always had a tight end. And I just don't know if they're going to have it this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Or even going you back know? to Chambers back in the day. They, they always had a deep threat. That right. one guy that could keep you honest with your safety right. so they can run the ball and do what they want to do. But getting to your question, I truly believe that what happened with Paul Chris is that he fell in love with what he perceived as an opportunity to become more diverse offensively mm-hmm. and tried to step away from the identity of who Wisconsin is. And that was just too much trust they placed on Graham Mertz. Like he right. bust on the scene as a freshman and threw five touchdowns against Illinois in his first Big Ten game. And they and thought nothing. They thought, yo, this is our opportunity to have a quarterback that can really open our offense. And then halfway through the season, they realized, like, oh snap. He wasn't ready team. yet. <laughs> they went on the yeah. road and Minnesota physically handled them at the end yeah. of the season. Yep. Physically handled them. Wasn't so, it in Wisconsin? No, it was at Minnesota. Okay. I think that game was at Minnesota. In I'm 2020, right. you're talking about, right? No, no, no. Last year? Last year. Last year. Oh, yeah. It was at Minnesota. Yeah. It was at Minnesota, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And they, yo, because I think Wisconsin still had an opportunity to win the West. Sean, they were rolling. They only had one conference loss or two conference losses at that point in time. They lost yeah. to Penn State in the opener, and then they lost yeah. to uh, uh, Michigan in, in October 2nd. They had won six, eight games, seven games in a row, six conference games. Uh, but they had beaten Illinois. They and they were winning games convincingly. Beat yeah. Illinois twenty four nothing. Beat Purdue thirty to thirteen. Beat Iowa twenty seven seven. Beat Rutgers fifty two to three. Beat Northwestern thirty five seven. They had a battle against Nebraska thirty five twenty eight. But they outplayed Nebraska in that game. Yeah, uh, that was actually one of Nebraska's better games last year. Uh, and okay. then they went on to Minnesota, like you said, Sean, and it was not competitive. Yeah, yeah, it was they, not they, competitive. They, look. Wisconsin came in with a chance to make it. I think they needed some help from Iowa. Yeah. But they came in with a chance to win the Big Ten West. And, yo, they just got steamrolled physically by yeah. Minnesota, who yeah. had dealt with injuries all year, and it was just unexpected. So I think they got away from their identity. Yeah. And I think they placed a lot on Graham Mertz, and it was too late when they finally realized, like, oh, they should have known after the Notre Dame game, like, oh, mm-hmm. no, this isn't good. And right. now we get to see, you know, did he learn his lessons? Mm-hmm. You know, did the moves he made on his coaching staff, will they end up? And, and like we said, you have to place a lot of trust in Jim Leonard. You just have to, mm-hmm. you know, because he's continued to be a top five defense. You know, yeah. In the nation, they're, they're one of the toughest, best coach, fundamentally sound defenses in college mm-hmm. football. For him to have the kind of defenses he has with the talent he has, and look, they don't have bums running out there, but they don't have yeah. a bunch of high draft. There, there's no JJ Watt running through the, you know, running yeah. through there right now. There's no Jamar Fletcher lining up a cornerback, right? Like they don't have that kind of talent. He yeah. is a phenomenal defensive coordinator. And somebody that Marcus Freeman tried to convince to interview for the job, and he just he won't leave Wisconsin. 
He's just happy there. Again, like, yeah, Marcus Freeman tried to make a run at him, from what I'm told, for the D coordinator job when Marcus Freeman was hired as head coach. That's the smartest thing he's yeah. done. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> dude, that dude yeah. gets it done. Yeah. yeah. He gets it done. You're talking about just fundamentally sound and physical. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kids will run through a brick wall for him. This, yeah. So that four, three, four is going to all, I think it's going to be dependent upon Wisconsin. Yeah. I think Wisconsin will decide because I think they're better as a program than Minnesota. Yes. And they're better coached than Minnesota. They're better coached than Minnesota. And if they play to their level, they'll Here's here's the problem with Wisconsin where I think Paul Christ has struggled at times in his career is with recruiting. When I look at the athletes that Minnesota has running around, it's not comparable to the athletes that Wisconsin has running around in Minnesota's favor. That's the problem. And that's right. I mean, look, Minnesota can get Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson, but Wisconsin can't get one of those guys. You know what I mean? Like that to me is where they've done a poor job, in my opinion, of recruiting. Yeah, is just not being able to, to, to just bring out some guys that you, you don't need stars. You don't need Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James. You just need a Jared Aberderis. You just need, you know, guys like that. You don't, you just need solid players that can be good enough to complement your run game. Right. And they just haven't done that. And I think that's been my issue with, with, with Paul Christ is I think as far as his teams are going to be fundamentally sound, they're going to be tough. They're going to be physical, but we saw in the Notre Dame game last year, eventually Notre Dame's athletes just took the game over. And it didn't matter that the, the best coach team on the field that day was clearly Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know, they were more fundamentally sound. They were tougher. They were f- more physical. It's just their dudes weren't as good as Notre Dame's dudes. Yeah. You know, and Notre Dame's kids, that was one of the, that was one of the few games all year where I felt like Notre Dame played hard in that game. They met, they met Wisconsin physically. Now we've talked about, they weren't a real physical football team. That was one of the exceptions. I, 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 I was pleased with how, Notre Dame brought it in most – their offensive line got their butts kicked, just got yeah. their butts kicked for 60 minutes. But the Notre Dame front seven brought it against Wisconsin last year. Absolutely. The DBs brought it against Wisconsin last year, and they did. And that's why Notre Dame was able to win that game is because they just had way better dudes, and they were able to match them phys- – their the offensive was – the offensive Wisconsin's physicality. Now, they also benefited from the fact that Jez Malusi was the running back and not Braylon Allen. Because yeah. they were a much better team once Braylon Allen came over. Because Chesma Lucy's a good running back, but he's he's not your typical. He they've had a lot of Chesma Lucy's over the year, but it was always a guy they were bringing off the bench. The James Whites that they were bringing off the bench as the number two to complement Monty Ball right. and Melvin Gordon and you know um, Jonathan Taylor and and then Braylon Allen, right? So that's that's a, it's going to be an interesting aspect of it, Sean. I know you want to get to the next team. I know. When I told Sean who my number five team was, he got all excited. Because if y'all don't know, Sean is a graduate of the University of Illinois. And uh, we've talked about some of the great games he was in the stands for back when he was a student. I have Illinois five, Sean. And as I said to you, they are a dark horse if everything goes right team for me this year. Because the one thing Illinois has is they have some athletes. They were – and for all their issues last year, you know, you kind of wondered, like, how is is Bielema going to be? Now that he's back in college football, is he going to be happy there? Is, is Illinois just a kind of a stopgap for him to kind of get to the next job? I'm going to tell you what, I was impressed with how those teams played last year. Yeah. Because even the games they lost, they were competitive. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't, they, I mean, 
And it started at the beginning. I was like, man, this team, this team's going to be a little, this team's going to have a little something this year because they came out in the opener and just worked Nebraska in the opener. I mean, worked Nebraska. And if they didn't turn the ball over, yeah, it would have been worth yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And then they got smacked by Virginia and lost to Texas San Antonio. And I'm thinking, man, that's bad. Yeah. Well, then you realize Texas yeah, San Antonio. Texas San Antonio team was really good. Though. Yeah. And the Virginia yeah. loss, like you didn't like – you guys got torched by Brennan Armstrong because Brennan Armstrong in 2020 and 19 didn't look like Brennan Armstrong in 2021. But then you started to see him kind of, okay, they're battling. They lost by three to Maryland, lost by four to Purdue, uh, lost 24 nothing to Wisconsin, beat Penn State in overtime – Lost to Rutgers by six, which is still just a bad loss. Like, how did you lose at home to Rutgers? They beat Minnesota on the road, beat North, blew Northwestern out, lost by 10 to Iowa. And a, and a game was competitive. So they're just not good enough to me yet that I'm able to put them any higher. But if, if you look at their schedule, if they can catch a couple breaks, they might be able to do a little something. You know, get Iowa at home, Minnesota at home, Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, you know, Play at Indiana is not that good. I don't. I I would be. I'd be surprised if they win it. But they're that team that kind of like they're that dark horse. They got enough athletes. And, mm-hmm. You know, they got a a, a, a Tommy DeVito's. Or he's transferred in from. He's the quarterback, Syracuse, right? Tommy DeVito. Yeah. You know, maybe the light finally goes on for him. I got him fifth right now. I could see them maybe jumping up a spot or two if some things go their way. But I'll tell you this too, Sean. I do think the margin for error is tight enough to where they could finish six because I actually think Purdue's got a better team than Illinois. I think Purdue's schedule's harder, and that that was part of why Look, I went I went with them over Purdue. I think they have they were second. I'm going to start this from recruiting a recruiting standpoint. They were second for Malik Elzey. Um, oh, what's the kid from downstate that they got that Notre Dame kind of Fagan, Fagan. Yep, they get the Fagan kid. They got some absolute wonderful athletes from Kenwood, Simeon, mm-hmm. that are coming down there, and they're still on some other guys from twenty three. Mm-hmm. So he's done a great job, but he has really done a great job of getting big time offensive linemen for the suburban areas of Chicago mm-hmm. and downstate to commit to the program. And that's what he did last year. Like if you were watching the games and you were watching like them pick up L after L, you were saying to yourself, okay, typical Illinois. But what you were seeing was no matter what happened on the scoreboard, he made sure that they established the identity of who they were. Yeah, we're getting blasted, but we're going to run this ball. We're going to run the ball down your throat. They had a freshman, McCray, just a bowling ball, 240 pounds, gets behind that big offensive line, and you saw him. He had a great day. He pretty much was the reason they won the Penn State game. They controlled the clock, other than Penn State just being awful offensively. But that was a really good Penn State defense. Yes. Even though P.J. Mustafer was hurt, that was still a pretty formidable defense and you know they lined up and they lined up and ran the ball right at Penn State and they did it against Nebraska yeah they did it against Iowa that was their identity that's one of my issues for them Sean is they lost three of those five guys yes right yeah that's the concern because you're right they their their O-line battled 
mm-hmm. last year. They were physical. They but were I physical. trust the staff and I trust Brett mm-hmm. Beal, you know, to de- to develop, get guys developed mm-hmm. and to be able to start a pipeline where that offensive line is going to be consistent. And that once again, that quarterback play was so awful. Mm-hmm. Like never take a quarterback transfer from Michigan. That's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. And their biggest playmaker, uh, who was a quarterback recruit out of East St. Louis, Isaiah Williams, mm-hmm. he's going to be a big playmaker at mm-hmm. wide receiver. So they have – You got a couple of receivers that can run. Yeah, they have yeah. skilled position guys right. and they have running backs. So yep. that's – if the And that's what gives me a, a chance to think that they could – like if the light goes on for Tommy DeVito a little bit, it was a, a a big recruit for Syracuse. Yeah, that's the thing is they have the athletes to where they can rip off a big play against Wisconsin. Where I don't think Wisconsin is going to be ripping off big plays in the past game against them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and because like you said, like they're 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 not quite Maryland athletically, but it's yeah. similar to the argument that I made against Maryland is if they can get the if the quarterback plays well, yeah. They, they're going to present some problems. They're going to present some problems. I yeah. agree with that. I agree with yeah. that. Purdue's an interesting team, Sean, at six because – Did they I, tempt you because of the coach? Yes. The coach, the coach tempted me. Yes, to That's put them higher point. because of Jeff yeah. Brom. Yes. But they just lost too much talent. Yeah. And the schedule is not fun. No. I mean, it, it's not a fun schedule. And, you know, they're another team that <clears throat> I look at last year and I say, you know, they won a lot of games where you're like, you know, I don't know how they won that game, right? Like, if they play that, like, if they played Michigan State a week later, Michigan State just probably. runs it down their throat and probably yeah. beats them. But on that day, they took it to Michigan State, and it helped the Michigan State had the worst pass defense I've probably ever seen at the, the Big Ten level. But the the problem for me with Penn with Wisconsin or Purdue this year is I just think their schedule's rough. You know, they, for them, they play at home. Start off against Purdue. Or I mean, Penn State at home. Mm-hmm. I don't think they, I don't think they're going to beat Penn State. If if they win that game, however, I'm going to completely change my opinion of this Purdue football team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they lost too much at, in secondary. They lost Karloftis. I mean, yeah. no team lost a more dynamic one-two punch relative, like of the second-tier teams. Like Ohio State can lose the kids they lost a receiver, and okay, fine. Purdue doesn't have another David Bell ready to walk into the to no. on the field, right? And then losing Milton Wright hurt them as well. Uh, and, and, you know, Charlie Jones is a nice player, but he's not like, oh, we're okay losing David Bell because Charlie Jones is here, you know. Um, their offensive line is just is not great. So when I when I look at them, you got at Minnesota, at Maryland, home against Nebraska, at Wisconsin, yeah. home against Iowa, at Illinois. And, you know, if they're in good shape there, they should finish well, get Northwestern at home and then at Indiana. I think you can win both of those games. But it's kind of like, man, you'd rather have Maryland at home this year, you know, and Nebraska on the road because you're going to beat Maryland at home. You may lose to Nebraska at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes it's not just who you play, but it's where you play them. Yeah. And, you know, the the, the Illinois – I'd, I'd much rather have Illinois at home this year. I'd much rather have Maryland at home this year. You know, games where – you know, now it's a little bit tougher game, but then you got to play teams that are better than you at home, Iowa and, and Nebraska yeah. and Penn State. So that's kind of where I look at it and I say, man, I just I just don't see I just don't see a lot of 
margin for error with them, and they just don't have that David Bell cat that can just go out there and say, I'm going to take this one. Yeah. I'm going to take this game over fellas and, and, and go do what I got to do. And, and I just, I just, in a, in a, in a, in a division that's just so close one through six, I mean, Purdue's again, pick Purdue six, Sean, would it shock you if they finished third? It wouldn't shock me if they found a way to be number two. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way that the league is. It's just a, but, but I'm looking at it last year, man. Like they, bear, they, 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 um, they go out there and, and, you know, some of these games that they, they win and it's like, you know, beat Michigan. State. Do you have someone's going to go catch 11 balls for 217 yards like David Bell did last year when they beat Iowa 24 to seven at Iowa? Okay. David Bell had 11 catches for 240 yards. You don't have that dude this year. You know, like you just, you beat Oregon state by nine. David Bell, eight catches for 134 yards. You don't have that guy this year. And you lost Milton Wright. So I just, I, I think they're going to kind of take a step back. And they're just, a team like that just can't lose a Carl Loftus and a David Bell in the same year and keep rolling. And Aiden O'Donnell's a great story, but. Great bowl game against Tennessee. Yeah. But just, I just, uh, it's kind of like Spencer Saunders from Oklahoma State. I don't think that's going to be the catalyst to all of a sudden making him a great passer. Yeah. You know, Dave, it was a great bowl game, but he's, he still got beat out by Jack Plummer for a reason. Right. You know, look, Jeff Brom knows quarterbacks, right? He started Jack Plummer for a reason, right? Because he just knows O'Donnell's limited physically. Yeah. He's just limited physically. Yeah. And so um, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. So yeah. I have them sixth, and then I think Northwestern's going to be the worst team in the Big Ten this year. I do. I oh, do. they were just in the Big Ten championship not too two long ago. years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Their roster's not good, Sean. I can tell you what, though. They can recruit defensive backs. Well, they've all transferred or gone to the NFL. Well, they develop, they recruit, develop, and then. Well, and the other thing, too, is I just, they're not the same without their D coordinator. No. You know, and I think that's the thing that's hurt them as well, is not having him. What's it, Hankwitz, right? And now you say his last name. Not having him, I think, I think that's hurt them. I do. It just, he was really good. Like he was there a long time. Right. And you get, it's like, it's like Parker at Iowa. Like those guys just, I mean, they, they were just happy where they were. Right. I mean, it, they just, you know, like I, I love being at the school. There's not saying pressure. I get these kids that are hard workers or there's not the five-star kids. These kids just want to go out and play ball and they're coachable and teachable and just was a great fit for them, you know? And, and same thing with Parker at Iowa. It just, I just, I just don't think they have the talent, honestly. I just think their 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 skill talents mediocre at best. Their lines, you've got Peter Skaronsky and then a lot of nothing beside him, in my opinion. And then their defense is incredibly slow in the front seven, in my opinion. Can you say that again? Yeah, I mean, like a, a couple. This is like a few. Like you had Ernest Brown, and you had the big kid at defensive tackle, and you had the linebackers, and it's like that. And then you had like a legit first round. You had legitimate two first round caliber talents in the secondary. And then two years later, Mm -hmm. you look at what they are now and you're like, Oh my gosh, like how did that happen? So I just, um, once again, their best players, if you look at any publication of best players that are two defensive backs, Cameron Mitchell and AJ Hampton, (laughs) like I said, they can recruit like, dude, they can go find. Yeah. 
without it being a four-star, they can go find some really, really fast and really good defensive backs and develop them. Right. But, unfortunately, and they used to be really good in the trenches. Right. They were at least tough. They were really built on the trenches. Remember Mike Elko and them, they tried to flip Ernest Brown. Notre Dame tried to flip Ernest Brown. I mean, yeah. He was a good player, and they got three defensive linemen in that class mm-hmm. were good football players. Those yeah. guys are all gone now, and they just haven't replaced them. Now, they're recruiting really, really well right now, but that's just um, – that's not going to help them this year, Sean. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.